Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Did you have a good day today? Lots of activities. Y'all ready for dodgeball tonight? Where's my poof crew? Where's my... (laughs) I'm on their team tonight. Yeah, that's right. Be afraid. Be very, very afraid. Yeah, team poof. Poofs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, I would like to pray for us, and then I'd like to get into this word tonight. I think God will continue to have something very special in store for us this evening, and I want to make sure that our hearts are open to what he has for us. So here we go. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for this evening. Lord, at some point in time, you orchestrated that every person in this room would be here right now. And Lord, we do not take this moment for granted. And we pray that our hearts would be open and that our ears and our eyes would be open to the surpassing greatness of your power. Pray that we would be open to your truth. Pray that we would be open to your gospel. Pray that we be open to your love and to your power that we be open to your life that you have for us. Lord, I pray that anything that may be distracting us in this time, Lord, would fall away, and that, Lord, we would be focused and attentive to what your word and what your spirit has to say to us tonight. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Friday night, uh, we talked about how Uh, God created the heavens and the earth and mankind and how the intent for mankind was that the breath of life, the spirit of God would be in the man and that the man and God would walk together in unity and oneness and wholeness in this beautiful relationship. And I talked about how, man, it would have been so amazing just to be there, to be in that moment and to say, wow, like, what was that like? What was that like? Adam, when you were created from the dust of the earth, and then God breathed life into your body, and you came alive, and you became this living being, and then you're in this amazing relationship with your father, with your creator. You're there. He can be audibly heard. He can be physically felt. You walk in the garden with your creator and your wife that was, by the way, created from a piece of you and the life of God, the spirit of the living God was breathed into her as well. And nothing was tainted and nothing was missing and nothing was broken, and there was no heartache, and there was no strife, and there was no bitterness, and there wasn't any sin taking place in that space. But then the adversary came. The adversary came and attempted to throw a wrench in the whole plan because the adversary hates God, and he hates you, and he hates me, And he hates that he couldn't be God. He he hates that he could not take the place of the creator in the heavenlies. He hates that he could not be worshipped as God above all things, with all authority, in control. 
being worshiped and glorified in the place of God. So God shut him out of heaven and he was bitter and he continues to be through all of human history, all of creation's history. He continues to create a divide between God and man. And he does so in such a cunning manner because he's so crafty. And he enters into our lives and he enters into our minds and he enters into our hearts and our thoughts and our desires with these, these questions and these doubts and, he, and these lies. And he begins to lead us to exchange truth for a lie. When he begins to ask us, did God really say? Did God really say? That's not good for you. Did God really say you couldn't have that? Did God really say that was outside of his heart? Did God really say that this isn't his best for you? Because we can just make some exceptions here in knowing that if this feels good, then you do it. If this looks good, then look at it. If this tastes good, then taste it. If it's good for you and it's and it's desirable to make you wise or more in tune to what's going on around you, then you go after that thing because after all, You've been created in the likeness of God, so you might as well be your own God. And the enemy is crafty in the way that he convinces us to turn our backs on our creator and go after the things that we want for ourselves rather than the things that God wants for us. And then a chasm is created because we begin we become untouchable because the holy, righteous, pure God that created us cannot touch us in our sinful, tainted, apostate state as we go after the things that we want and we turn our backs on God. And it doesn't matter because at this point, as sin has entered into the human condition, we become an inherently sinful people. And we continue to turn our backs on God through acts of sinful commission or acts of sinful omission. That means that we make, we sin, whether we know it or not. I don't know how many of you woke up this morning and began your day with just a crazy thought. Crazy intrusive thoughts enter into my mind all the time. And when I, when I diagnose the thoughts and maybe some things that come out of my mouth or maybe the things that I put into my ears or maybe the things that I watch on the TV screen, like I know that these things really aren't God's best for me. I'm inherently sinful. I inherently go after the things that are not of God. And really, if it were up to me and according to my own devices and my own strategies and maybe my own understanding of who God is, because I can so be so proud in boasting that I have him all figured out. What an arrogant statement. What an arrogant thought that in the midst of my own understanding, I could get back to God, that I could get back to holiness on my own that I could get back to righteousness, that I could get back to being touchable. I'm too sinful. I'm too tainted. I've done too much wrong. I've broken way too many commandments. And here's the thing. God's law and what he wants for his people is like a window pane. If I break a corner of a window pane, the whole thing is still busted. I've broke the window pane of righteousness. I'm inherently sinful and there really is no way back to God. If it's left up to myself and my own devices, my own works, my own acts of service, the kind words that I could say, how many kind words does it take to make up for all the curses I've put on people in my life? At what point would I be acceptable 
At what point could I get back to God? The enemy knew that. The enemy knows it. And what's crazy about the enemy is that he wants us to live in that constant state of shame, that constant state of guilt. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not righteous enough. You're not lovable. You're not acceptable. You can't be loved by this God. Look at you. You sinned again. The repetitive sin that keeps continually happening over and over and you're get, again, and you've prayed about it and you've asked God to take it, but for some reason it just won't go away. So I might as well continue walking toward the thing that I want because then I don't have to face God. I don't know if you've ever been there, but those are spaces and places that I've been in my life. Things that I've had to work out. Working out the shame, working out the guilt of following the desires of my heart and having those desires be so outside the heart of God. But God, (laughs) but God. You see, God knew that in our inherently sinful state, there was no way back to him. And God didn't look on his people with condemnation and he wasn't looking at his people as people to be um, sent away and eternally separated for him forever. God didn't want that for his kids, for his creation. He breathed his own life into mankind. He breathed his own spirit into the human being. He, a piece of himself is in that vessel. He loves that child and he knows his children better than they know themselves and he is intimately acquainted with his kids. God so loved them that he stepped in to the space that we could not step in. He built the bridge that we couldn't build. He made a way back to himself based on what he needed to do, not what we expect ourselves to do. There was no way back except through God. So God put on flesh. God put on flesh and was sent to this earth in the form of his son, Jesus. And Jesus, being fully God and fully man, lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. He lived an untainted life. He lived a sinless life. He lived a spotless life without blemish. And he walked this earth being tempted in every possible way, fathomable, and never once fell. He continued to hit the mark. This is my father's heart. This is what it means to follow God. This is what it means to be a child of God and to know who you are. This is what it means to live a righteous life. And I'm living this way and I'm doing this because I have a mission. I have a joy set before me. I have a joy set before me and that is the reclamation of the people that I love. The the reception and reconciliation of the people that I've created. All of humanity can be reconciled back to God. This relationship can be restored and they can live life to the full and Jesus walked the earth sinless. He was one with the Father. That relationship that was intended from the beginning was manifested through the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was able to live the life that we're not able to live. And he lived it perfectly on your behalf, according to his father's will. 
And the beautiful thing, which was such an injustice, was that Jesus Christ was captured and allowed himself to be pinned to a cross as a sufficient sacrifice to take on all of the pain and all of the unrighteousness and all of the sin, to take all of the consequences of death on himself, to take everything on himself, everything that you would experience apart from God in eternity, in a place called hell. Jesus absorbed it and absolved it in his body and through his spirit, and he hung on a cross in our place and paid the price that we couldn't pay. He went to the cross. He laid his life down in your place so that we could be reconciled back to God. And we are reconciled back to God simply through our belief in Jesus, through our belief in following Jesus. You see, when we place our hope and our belief in Jesus, the one that laid his life down on the cross, and we choose to follow him, we're saying, I'm accepting the act that you performed on my behalf in laying your life down because I couldn't do it. And you were the sinless, spotless sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice that was laid on the altar of that cross in my place for the payment of my sin. You died for me on that cross. You gave your life up for me. And why, Jesus? Why did you give your life up for me on that cross? Why? And the scripture is clear. So that you may have life. He died so we might live. He died so that we might live. The beauty of the story is that even though Jesus laid his life down on the cross in our place, giving and offering that payment that we couldn't pay, there was nothing we could do to get back to God. So God said, I'll do it. And he did it. And when he did it, he said, it's finished. No more payment required, no works required, no more service required, nothing more required for my people except for their belief and faith and trust in me, in following me. It's what's required. And my payment is sufficient that they may live forever. And I've given them a gift. And the gift is called grace. The gift is called grace. See, it's not a means to an end that we place our faith in Jesus. It's not a means to an end that we believe in Jesus, that we might live in heaven forever, that we're spared from hell and eternal separation from God. Yeah, that's a big part of the plan. But, but what's beautiful about what Jesus did is says, my grace is sufficient for you now. My grace is sufficient for you. What that means is that when you sin, when you get it wrong, when you miss the mark, when you fall short, Jesus says, it's covered. It's covered. I know you're inherently sinful. I know you get it wrong. I know you've tried real hard, but I've done what is sufficient to cover you. And what my grace says is hide in me. And you say, well, why would I have to hide in Jesus? Why would I have to place my trust in Jesus? Why would I find my comfort in Jesus? And what does that have to do with grace? Well, at the beginning of this talk, I talked about a little thing called guilt and shame. And guilt and shame leads us to hide from God, and that's not living. Guilt and shame 
draws us away from, the, from God's presence. It tells us to hide from God, and that's not living. But you know what grace says? Grace says hide in God because that's where life is found. Where guilt and shame says hide from God, grace says hide in God. It's the difference between having the type of father that says, oh no, I can't wait till my dad finds out about this. I've done so wrong. I'm in so much trouble. And it's the difference between that and having the type of father where you say, oh no, I can't wait to tell my dad. It's the difference between hiding from God, hiding from your heavenly father in the midst of this inherently sinful state or going to your father, going to God because Jesus made that possible. And he says to you, come, come where to, and be where life is found. Come and rest in my presence. Come to me, all of you who are weary, heavy burdened, weighed down. I'm going to give you rest. Let me teach you. <clears throat> For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You're weighed down, you're drowning, you're trying to grab for air, you're trying to catch your breath. Well, come to me because this is where life is found. You can breathe here. There's peace here. There's grace here. There's forgiveness here. Time and time again, I will continue to shower you with my forgiveness and my grace because I laid my life down for you and I did that so that this could be possible. You're mine. I laid my life down so that you could be mine. You don't have to hide and be cast away and dwell in the shadows of isolation and anxiety and depression and fear and heartache and loneliness and trauma and guilt and shame and heartache and death and eternity separated from me. You don't have to live there. You can come and be where there's life and grace and forgiveness and hope and patience. Where there's joy and there's peace and there's goodness. And you can return to me time and time again. And I will be the father that stands at the door and says, welcome home. I've been waiting for you and you'll never be too far from me that you will never be uh, you will never be able to be so far that my arm my hand can't reach you my arm is not too short to save says the Lord nor is my ear too dull to hear you cry out to me you call on me you reach out for me and I'm there I hear you and I'm reaching for you this is where life is. You know, what's incredible is that in John 10, 10, we talked about the job of the adversary. Talked about the job of the adversary. And in John 10, 10, it says the thief comes only, sole purpose, sole job. It is an isolating statement. This is what the enemy does. This is his only job. This is job description. The thief comes only, to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job. Steal you away, 
Kill your spirit, destroy your soul. That's his job. But Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have life to the full. Jesus laid his life down for you, bridged the gap by way of the cross so that you could have life to the full. And all you have to do is accept the free gift of God, the free gift of grace that Jesus has for you. It's a free gift. He says, here, take it. My sacrifice was sufficient and it's yours to have and we can have a relationship forever. You believe on me and you will have life to the full. And you say, well, how does that life come? Well, not only does it come beyond this world and this life that we're living and in eternity in heaven with God forever, just as he intended it, nothing missing, nothing broken in heaven for eternity. That sounds pretty nice. I want to be staring into the face of my creator for eternity. There's not enough days there's not enough days in the, in, the, in the time continuum of God's plan that would be enough for me to get over staring into the face of God. Just to see the face of my creator and to be in his presence and to bask in the glory of Jesus there wouldn't be enough days. I would never get tired of that. So not only is it that hope that we have, but we also have a life that is given to us now. And that life is offered to us through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. See, God's intent was us for, for his intent for us to be filled with his breath, his life-giving spirit. And he gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He pours out his spirit on his people upon them making the decision to follow Jesus. You follow Jesus, you have his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit indwells in us and gives us power as it's described in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where Jesus upon his resurrection from the grave after he hung on that cross and he was resurrected three days later he appears to his followers and he tells them he says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that is a promise throughout scripture that those who follow Jesus and accept the free gift of grace that God has for them will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes as a counselor. The Holy Spirit comes as a comforter. The Holy Spirit comes as an advocate. In our weakness, he is made strong. He gives us the wisdom that we need to, to navigate the trials that life throws at us and the lies that the enemy shares with us. He gives us his Holy Spirit. And it says that upon reception of the Holy Spirit in following Jesus and trusting him and placing our faith in Jesus, guess what? We become a brand new creation. God says the old is gone and the new has come. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. When you place your faith in Jesus and you, you commit your life to following him, you are filled with the Holy Spirit and his word says that you are made brand new. You are made brand new. You begin to live your life for Jesus. The Holy Spirit begins to align your heart with Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps you in your weaknesses and in the things that you face and the battles that you fight. 
The Holy Spirit is there for you. And we just live different because we know we're following the one who conquered death and gave us life and gave us life. The enemy steals life, but Jesus gives life to the full. Our life is saved by Jesus and we are filled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit grants us power. The Holy Spirit grants us power that in our weakness, his strength is made evident through us. And when Jesus said, it is finished, it was the moment that God gave his breath back. God gave us his breath back. We were filled with the Holy Spirit by our faith in the free gift of grace that we're given through the all-sufficient sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Y'all, I don't know about you, but for me, that's good news. That's the best news I could ever hear. That is the best news that could ever hit your ears, that God made a way back to him, not because of what I'm able to do, not because of who I think I am, but because of what Jesus did in laying his life on that cross. And the question that I would have for you is that if in hearing this good news and knowing that Jesus made a way where there was no way, the question that I would have for you is, are you willing to accept it? Are you willing to put your faith in Jesus? Are you willing to follow Jesus and put your faith in him and accept the free gift of grace that says, hide in me. You don't have to hide from me. I've made it possible so that you could hide in me and have a relationship with God forever. It's the question that we can't turn our back on. It's the question that trumps the question of the enemy. Did God really say, and you might be asking me right here, right now, did God really say that I could have a relationship for him, with him forever, not based on my own works or what I could do or my own righteousness, but because of what he did? And my answer to you would be yes, without a doubt, no question. You can have a relationship with God. You can be filled with his Holy Spirit. And yes, God really did say. He really did say. I would love to just give you a moment as the worship team um, comes up and leads us in a final song. I would love for us just to have a moment where we, we close our eyes. Let's close our eyes together. Can we do that? Let's close our eyes and let's not think. I don't want to think. I don't want us to think for a moment about the person next to us. Not for a moment. We love you but this is about me right now, right? You could say that, hey, I love you, but this is about me right now, me and God. I wanna give you this opportunity. So, so honestly, close your eyes, close your eyes, close your eyes, close your eyes. And, and I want you to just ask yourself this question and just sit in the silence of this. You don't have to say anything out loud. But to say in this moment, Lord, I want to be filled with your spirit. <laughs> and I want to be in a relationship with you. And I want to believe that your word is true. 
And if I'm honest, there's sometimes where I don't know what it is or where I've gone or where I've been or who's around me. But sometimes I just question it and I have my doubts and I give myself to other things. And sometimes I don't even know what's true anymore. My question that I would like for you to ask yourself right now is, do I want it? Do I want Jesus? Do I want a relationship with my creator? Do I want to be filled with his breath, his Holy Spirit? Do I want it? And, and if you ask yourself that question, I want you to ask yourself this question. If the answer is no, I want you to ask, why not? What's keeping me? Is there some lie that I'm believing? Is there some hurt that I'm nursing? Is there some disappointment that I've been through? Is there something that I'm facing that is just so unfair and it's made me question whether or not God is good? There is a whole host of countless questions that we could ask. And until we find those answers, it's like, God, I don't have time for you. I don't have the energy to put my hope in you. I'm afraid that I might get hurt if I trust you that much. And before we asked any of those questions, God already heard them. And God already saw them. And God already has decided to meet you in that place right now. God is in this place right now. Right now he's here. The creator of the universe. The all-sufficient savior. The king of your heart. The good, good father. The holy one the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the one who set the stars in its place, the one who holds time in his hands is here intimately acquainted with your thoughts and your heart and who you are. And he knows you better than you. And you know what he says? He says, I love you. I wish you knew how much I love you. He sees each one of you and he knows you by name and he says, I love you. I've seen your pain. I've seen your hurt. I've seen your hopes. I've seen your dreams. And I meet you right there in your waters. And I say, I love you. I love you. And there is nothing that can be get between my love for you 
and you being able to experience the fullness of my love. There is nothing that can get in between that because I made it possible for all that obstacle, all that division, all that chasm to be destroyed. There is nothing getting between me and you experiencing my love. I love you. You're my child and I want you to be mine. So give your life to me. Let me hold you. Let me lead you. Let me fill you. Let me teach you. Let me grace you. Experience the magnitude, the power that there is in my forgiveness for you. You are forgiven once and for all. You're forgiven. You're not too far gone. You're right where you need to be. And the spirit of the living God is speaking into your heart, saying, be mine. I want you to have me forever. <laughs> this is far too good for you to miss me. It's far too good for you to miss me. And so your opportunity right now in your seat with your eyes closed, and I don't need you to raise a hand, and, but you have the space right now to make a declaration. To say, God, I'm, I'm following you. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm trusting that what you did on that cross was sufficient. And despite all my shortcomings, you want me and I'm yours. You can fill me with your Holy Spirit and I can be made brand new. That's my declaration. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I get it wrong. I admit that I missed the mark. And I also confess that you are my Lord and my Savior, Jesus. I declare your life down on the cross in my place took on the penalty of my sin resurrected from the dead three days later and you were seated at the right hand of your father and you're pouring out your spirit and you're calling me to yourself you made it possible I want a relationship with you lead me fill me forgive me love me I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours forever, Jesus. And you're forever mine. And you're forever mine. Dear Lord, I pray for each person in this room, for each young person in this place. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and fill them so full with the magnitude of your spirit and your grace and your love that your presence and the reality of you is so undeniable that their life is changed forever. And Lord, there may be some young people in this room that have been following you for some time, but they've forgotten. Or maybe it just hasn't been so real. And Lord, I pray that in this moment, they would reacquaint their heart with your heart and knowing that you are Lord and you are God and you are our heavenly father. 
Lord, I pray that you protect each and every young person here. I pray that you comfort them in their soul and in their spirit. I pray that you heal them in the arenas of their life where things are broken and stuff is hard. I pray that you would give them a cognizant of the reality of you, that when things are passing by and life is going so fast that they would say, man, let me take a breath because it's the evidence that God loves me, that God knows me, that God is here, that I am his and he is mine. Counsel them in their soul. And Lord, I pray that they would form a bond of friendship with the people next to them and their leaders and their pastors and their friends. I pray that they would form a bond of friendship and community that would be so close, tightly knitted, that they would be encouraged by one another, that they would pray for one another, that they would lay hands on one another and that they would pray forgiveness into one another and that they would pray life into one another. Encourage them, strengthen them, love them, lead them, fill them. I pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.